There's been a lot of buzz in the banking world recently over PSD2. That's an EU directive that's rolling out across the UK and Australia. That'll force banks to release their customers' data in a secure, standardised form so that it can be shared online between authorised organisations. PSD2 stands for Revised Payment Service Directive, but it's quickly become simply known as Open Banking. I'm Lindsay Williams, and in this, an Investec Focus Radio Financial Innovation podcast, we have two experts with us to thrash out exactly what open banking is, what it means for you, the ordinary bank customer, and how it's going to change the game. First, let me introduce our guests. John Elliott is Investec's head of open banking, and Edward Maslavekas is the co-founder of Bud. That's an app that connects customers, service providers, and banks in one experience using open banking. John, let's start very simply with the basics. What is open banking? Open banking is unlocking the value that sits inside your banking. So right now today, if you want to make a payment, you have to go to your bank to make a payment. Whether it's into the branch, the ATM to your um, mobile phone or onto online banking. You still have to go to the bank. And what do you spend money on? Uh, it's, sometimes it's quite hard to figure it out. All of that data, every single transaction you ever make is sitting at your bank, but it's in a very unusable form. Right? It's on the screen somewhere where you go transaction listing and put in your dates and you know, out comes this long list. What does any of, any of that mean? Um, Banks have been too lazy for too long with consumers' money and with their data. And open banking seeks to change that. So open banking is um, essentially, it's, there's, open banking is a movement driven by regulation. And in the UK specifically, um, where uh, we operate, um, open banking is forcing um, the banks to open up the ability for um a payment to be made directly from your bank account and for you to be able to extract information from your bank account in whatever way you see fit. Well, you certainly seem chuffed with it because this is your business, but what does it mean for the ordinary bank customer in real terms? So if um, I want to pay you today, at the moment, I have to go and I have to go and log into the bank and make a payment, send money to you. But in, in the future, when open banking has landed, um, I won't necessarily need to do that anymore. I would be able to, if some some clever person has built an app for Facebook to say, pay one of my Facebook contacts, I could click pay my Facebook contact, put my fingerprint on my, my bank app when it pops up with some authentication, and the money will move. You'll be able to do transactions online without needing to have a bank card anymore. Um, this is good news for merchants who are going to pay less merchant fees. Um, it's good news for consumers because it's going to enable ways for people to be closer to their money where they want their money to be. So as opposed to having this very disconnected process from um, what you're doing in your life to now having to go and make a financial transaction to reflect that, it'll be far easier for you to do the transaction in the moment. Edward Maslavekas, your app Bud is already doing this for HSBC in the UK for their open banking trial. How's it going to revolutionise banking for the customer? Um, it, it will be slow and gradual. So um, you'll start to be able to, in your banking app, connect some of your other banking apps or other accounts into that to see a, a broader picture. 
then in time you'll actually start to get some insight, more insights off of, off of your aggregated accounts. So your credit card and your current account balance, you know, you can start to bring your, your mortgage in and see that through one view. Now, once you start to have access to that information, the obvious next step is to say, okay, what do I do now? Uh, now that I have this information, now that I can see that maybe this credit card isn't the best one for me, can you find me a new one? And the answer is yes, yes, we can help you find something which is um, more relevant to you because if you're willing to share your data with the institution, they can then interpret that and help you along the way. So actually what we're starting to see with open banking is we, we over the last sort of 30 years, we lost, most of us lost this thing called a bank manager. Uh, which was this like, personal relationship. Um, my mother's bank manager from the town she grew up in used to write her letters and, and you know, help her buy her first house, this kind of stuff. And this is actually isn't really scalable across millions and millions of customers, but actually it's something that can start to be delivered um, through these digital experiences. And open banking is very much laying the groundwork for that. If you're going to describe it as like a bank manager app, something personalized that will help you manage your money in the most cost-effective way, then yes, certainly it's going to sound very attractive to customers. But what about security? Will there not be a tremendous pushback for fear of cybercrime? There absolutely is a lot of nervousness around open banking. And that's pretty well founded. You've, we've all been taught since we got our first um, bank card in probably the 80s or 90s or early 2000s, depending on how old you are. Um, you got taught, don't let anyone know your PIN. Don't let anybody know your secret. Never, ever put your username and password into anything other than the bank's website. If someone sends you an email saying, click here to pay, don't do it. These are the bad men and the bad people. Um, so everybody is understandably very nervous. And identity theft and information theft and um, I guess the, the ever-looming cyber threat um, justifiably makes people nervous. However, having said all of that, the open banking regulation and GDPR, which protects your personal information, work hand in hand with each other. Um, and they provide the consumer with the relevant protections. So the onus on providing strong authentication and securing that transaction that we know it is you trying to make a payment from your account, that onus is now resting with us as the bank. You know, previously, you could have gone to another website and filled in your online banking username and password, and they could have just pushed the payment for you. But now, we will authenticate that payment with you directly. Um, so in many ways, we make it more secure. GDPR gives you the necessary protections over your data. But it also frees up your data. So at the moment, your data does nothing for you. But how are you going to get value out of your data? You're going to get value out of your data by um, using it to figure out where you're overspending, where you're, under, where you're not investing for your future, um, where you aren't necessarily meeting the objectives that you want in your life. You can now take that data and use it. You can share it with other people. You can potentially enrich it and bring value to it. You can bring your information from 20 different bank accounts uh, uh, together. And a really simple example, um, most people have bank accounts with more than one bank, which means you have multiple usernames, multiple passwords. Why is that? Why can't you, if I want to see my complete financial picture, why can't I log in at one place? Why can't I log into one bank and see all of my bank accounts? And if I want to make a payment, I should be able to choose. I could make it from my Investic account. I could make it from my EFSA account, or I can make it from my um, RBS account. This should be my choice. And um, open banking is going to allow those types of 
um, services and opportunities to exist in a very tightly protected and governed way. At the moment, um, there are a number of firms, called like instant EFT firms, which will ask you for your username and password, and they will execute an EFT payment on your behalf. But you're giving that firm your username and password for online banking. And in the event of fraud happening on your account, um, the bank can legitimately turn around and say, you gave your username and password away. Um, we are not going to help you with this. I, you know, that, that was your bad, not ours. Um, this regularizes and protects consumers in the events of, of these types of transactions because these firms are going to be forced to interact with the bank through an API. We have to make the APIs available. We can't not allow them to happen. These firms are regulated in terms of the type of the um, indemnity insurances that they hold. They have to have IT audits, um, and there's a level of protection applied to both the bank and the consumer in these types of transactions. So this is a good outcome for consumers. Um, Broadly, it's probably it's maybe not such a good outcome for the really big high street incumbents, um, but it's definitely a good outcome for challenger banks. You're talking about the democratization of banking, placing control of the customer's banking literally in his or her own hand or on his or her desktop. Is that going to change banking as we know it, as we've been used to it? In a world of open banking, as a customer, you can do most of your day-to-day -day banking from any app. So you can pull your data from any application to another one. You can make payments um, between all your different accounts in one experience. So what, what, what does that mean for the bank? Well, the bank that certainly doesn't want to lose touch with you as a customer. So the, the co competitive landscape becomes one in which the bank has to deliver the best possible service, the best digital experience, which is holistic across market around their own products, around other people's products, to keep you um, using their app because that's what they that's that's where they want you. So actually, you know, the competitive forces look um, completely different. So whereas there was a bit of a conflict of interest in the current financial system where. Ultimately, the financial institution wanted to give you one of their products. Well, actually, what it means is because you can go anywhere, all that a financial institution wants to do is serve you in the best possible way. That way, you'll stay loyal with them. So actually, I think the future looks really exciting as a customer because I now, or we all now have um, these huge corporations fighting to give us the best possible service. A payment is a payment is a payment. Um, whether you make a payment from a bank, from a bank that has halls and robed and marveled with gold statues, or whether you make one um, from a bank that has um, a bowl that your dog can come and drink water in while you're making your it really doesn't matter. It's just a payment. It's the same as electricity. It's the same as water that, that, that comes through the pipes. So what we would expect to see is um, increased competition at the base transactional banking level. So check accounts, international payments, um, credit cards, those sort of type of basic transactional facilities, you'll have price compression, they'll all start to look the same. Um, and you will, you'll have more choice. Uh, on the flip side, one of the potential unintended consequences um, of this is that um, open banking is going to help people um, optimize their, their money. So if you're paying too much in arranged overdraft fees and you could actually save it by taking out a, a short-term loan or term loan, 
instead of taking out an overdraft, there's going to be a fintech that's going to help you do that. And what's that doing? It's going to eat away some of the profit that the high street bank is making there. And on the same side, if you've got too much cash sitting in your account, there's going to be a firm that's going to say, well, how can I help you make a bit more interest, earn a little bit more in this money? It also changes the opportunities for banks. Because now if you're a bank and a check account is a commodity, you don't need to provide it yourself anymore. There's nothing to stop um, a small new startup internet bank from using the the Barclays check account, for example, which has massive scale, um, can operate at a very low infrastructural cost. Um, and so you can expect to see that, that sort of thing starting to play out. And the UK already has very um, advanced um, switching programs. So switch your bank account, everything moves seamlessly. The last piece of the puzzle to enable true portability would be to enable um, bank account number portability um, in the same way that you can with your cell phone. Right? Why don't consumers ask that question? If I want to switch my cell phone company, I just switch it. I go from Vodafone to MTN. Um, why can't I do the same with my bank? Why do I have to go and get a new bank account number and slowly go through a process of moving everything? We should ask the question more. Yes, we should. And perhaps as we get more comfortable with this new democratic way of banking, we will. But that's the benefit to the end consumer, though. How will it affect the way we run our businesses? Yeah, so um, I think the businesses, the benefits to businesses for open banking are probably going to be bigger. Not because open banking in itself is going to make it bigger, but because I think business banking, particularly for SMEs, um, has been so underserved for so long in just about every major economy in the world. Um, we are starting to see a raft of innovation that is aimed at that um, small to medium enterprise um, segment. It's happening in the UK, it's happening in Germany, it's happening in Australia. We're seeing the same thing coming through in the US. Uh, we're starting to see it in South Africa as well. Um, and banks traditionally look at um, the cash sitting in um, business accounts as a wonderful source of nice, sticky, stable liability funding to manage their balance sheets. And the business owner has long had nowhere else to put it but in a bank account. Um, yeah, you have to have a bank account in order to receive payments from your clients. So, hey-ho, there you go. It's been a wonderful captive market for banks. Um, and a number of entrepreneurs are starting to see that there are opportunities there. Um, helping small businesses become better at managing their finances, helping them earn more on money, helping them pay less when they need to access a short-term borrowing, um, innovate on their products. And if you think about open banking, a really simple example, if you're running a mom-and-pop store, say you're a hairdresser, and you've got a, a, your creditor who supplies you with, um, I don't know, hairspray, foils, whatever it happens to be, you, know, you need to pay your, your creditor on your terms of 30 days. At the moment, what happens? The supplier sends you the invoice, arrives with your goods. Um, you make a note in your diary or in your um, online accounting platform. Maybe you use like a Zero or a, um, a Sage One. You make a note that it's due in, in 30 days, and off you go. And you carry about your business. In 30 days' time, you get a little reminder, and you have to go out. Now you've got to go back into your banking platform. You've got to log in, put in your username and password. Um, find the details of the supplier that you're paying and you've got to go and make a payment to them. And then you've got to go back to your accounting platform and you've got to go and type in your uh, 
actual transaction. Also, um, one of the innovations that's going to be offered that's going to help like the SME uh, will be making transactions directly from the system of record. So when you come in and you open up your hairdressing salon in the morning, you'll get a reminder in your Sage or Zero platform that the foil supplier is due for payment today. Do you want to pay them now? Yes. Your phone might ping and you'll put your thumb on it to authenticate the transaction and the payment will seamlessly happen in the background. Those are the types of services that um, some small, medium enterprises are now going to be able to access and making the admin of payment um, more seamless. And I guess at the top end, you'll also start to see more innovation. So managing multi-country, multi-currency treasuries at the high end corporate environment starts to become easier when banks start to realize that the data that they hold about you is actually not theirs, it's actually yours. And that's the key mindset. I think you're right. It's going to not only empower people to take charge of their own banking, it's going to require that they do. It's quite a mind shift. Gentlemen, thank you for sharing your expertise and thank you for listening. I hope this podcast has been helpful to you in demystifying the concept of open banking a bit. Please do join us again for the next Investec Focus Radio Financial Innovation Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendation. Investec Specialist Bank, a division of Investec Bank Limited, is a registered credit provider.